There's a half a billion dollar hole in TransLink's budget this year. This is the Canby Report, and I'm Ian Bushfield. With simultaneous collapses in revenue from fare and fuel taxes, TransLink is facing a massive budget shortfall this year, and the Mayor's Council has put out a desperate call for the federal government to step in. I have an interview with New Westminster Councillor Patrick Johnstone about the scale of this challenge in a minute and how you can help. First, though, while Canby Report isn't facing a half a billion dollar shortfall, we could still use your support patreon.com slash report. And again, all supporters are welcome to join us in our patron slack. Visit legandbootmedia.ca to request an invite. The Cambi Report was produced and recorded on the traditional and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> Hopefully we'll wake up someday. Yeah. All right. Well, joining me from his apartment in New Westminster, home? home well, uh, apartments are homes. <laughs> Patrick Johnstone, city councillor. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Thanks. So you reached out to me because you wanted to talk about TransLink funding and how they don't have any and are in dire straits. Um, what's your understanding of the direness of the situation? Uh, well, I think the, the mayor's council has been pretty clear. There's, there's just, uh, they are hemorrhaging money right now. They're, they are down in revenue significantly, both because of fare box revenues and because their other main sources of revenue, gas tax and parking tax are being deeply hit by, by the reaction to this crisis. Um, they had to take on some uh, some changes in how they operate the system, which reduced capacity in order to make sure they're, they're, you know, people are able to use the system and still maintain safe social distancing. And some of that, that has eroded their revenue significantly. Um, unfortunately, the, the drop in revenue is not consummate with actual drop in the cost of operating the system. They still have to maintain and operate a significant transit system, and the gap between them is... Uh, in the neighborhood of $75 million a month. So um, they are now getting into the process of figuring out how they're going to uh, scale back operations to the point where we're going to have, I think, a, a transit system that w- is not recognizable anymore if, this, if they have to continue to scale back uh, the way they're looking at the scaling back. Right. So they've already reduced service on almost every route, I believe, They've canceled several routes that they feel could be redundant with, for example, SkyTrain or are otherwise not being used heavily. Uh, I imagine they've had to cut back some services, but at the other side, they've also had to increase, for example, cleaning and retrofitting buses with plexiglass materials. Uh, yeah, the- absolutely. I mean, they've had, I mean, if you've, you've, we've all heard about the layoffs that are coming and the layoffs that are planned for TransLink. Uh, they have had about a 40% service cut, um, which, which leaves them with about 18% of their normal operating capacity just because they've had to create space on buses and trains. Um, and so they just don't have as much capacity to carry people. So they, even with the reductions they've done, and they have done significant reductions, especially in the last week or so, the revenue gap is still huge. And, um, 
and as they move forward and as they realize that as their revenues go or as their uh, reserves go away, they're burning through their reserves right now. And as they go away, they're just going to have to continue to scale back the system. And unfortunately, it's not an easy thing to scale back a transit system. It's not just a, not just a rheostat in the wall. You can dial it back a little bit. It's a pretty complicated integrated system that requires uh, a lot of complicated decisions that, that feed off of each other, which makes it really difficult for them to slow down quickly. Um, and unfortunately, it's going to take them twice as long to start it back up. Uh, as soon as they cut back significantly, that you can just add that time to the time it's going to take to get the system back up and running again after this is all over. And when we need our transit system to help, uh, help the region recover economically from this. So what's the solution other than, is it just throw money at the problem? Um, I, well, throwing money, this problem is somewhat pejorative. Uh, public service, uh, transit is a public service and it takes money to run public services. Um, I think what the mayors are asking for right now is, and it's what transit agencies across Canada are asking for right now, are asking right now is for funds from the federal government to help cover this operating loss that they're, they're suffering right now. Um, they are looking for an emergency fund, emergency uh, money uh, funding. Um, it's on the order of $10 billion nationwide. Uh, there are a couple of different models about how that funding would work, but I think that uh, most transit agencies agree that just emergency cash and it being allocated across the country to all transit agencies um, based on ridership because every transit agency in, in Canada is suffering this problem. Every transit agency in North America is suffering this problem. And ironically, I mean, we don't usually like to look at the United States federal administration as a model for how to manage any crisis, but they already have received a significant funding. Uh, the federal government has pumped $25 billion into supporting local transit systems across Canada, just across the, uh, across the border in Seattle. Their transit system, which is quite a bit smaller than TransLink's, has received um, $250 million in, commit, in committed funding from the federal government to keep their system running. So it's such a, like, there's so many different elements of our society looking for so much money right now. Uh, and, you know, we're both big TransLink supporters and fans of having a good system. I think most people in Metro Vancouver should be rightly proud of the system. It's such a tough situation where even prior to this, TransLink was looking for more money. It was looking for more money for expansions, Surrey uh, SkyTrain, UBC SkyTrain extensions, uh, SFU Gondola maybe, and other pie in the sky, or not even pie in the sky, but you know, necessary Careful expansions. Careful with that phrase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Other necessary expansions. And now they're looking at four plausible scenarios of the future, which all still require additional money, things that vary from quick recoveries to a dramatic paradigm shift where yep. everyone starts working from home. So what's the, I think we need to def uh, separate the difference between uh, sort of those capital growth plans and capital plans. We need to, to build the system to provide the level of service that the community wants from what we're talking about now, which is really emergency operational funding. We need to operate the system. And TransLink, again, this makes it somewhat unique around North America, receives very little senior government support to support its operation. It, it is, in the sense of its operational costs, it runs a really tight ship and has its own revenue streams that it relies on. Unfortunately, the structure of these revenue regimes, which is, you know, fare box, gas tax, parking tax, and a little bit of property tax, we've always sort of 
had the argument that it's not really a, a it's not a robust regime and that we needed other forms of funding to support it um i mean tr again to use seattle as an example they have a significant uh, property tax. It was definitely more property tax coming in to support their system, which is a safer uh, revenue source. They also have a, uh, a um, significant regional sales tax to support their system, which TransLink doesn't have. Um, so TransLink, we, we famously voted on that. We famously voted on that, and uh, and yeah, we we voted on that for capital reasons, not necessarily for operational reasons. But I think that the model that we have that funds the operations of TransLink is one where it is made it less robust for a crisis like this. And uh, so I th I think we we, we are going to have a longer term, a medium term, and a longer term discussion about the capital plans for TransLink, and those plans may change. But um, not, none of that discussion is um, going to change the situation right now, which is that you've got 150,000 people in the Lower Mainland who rely on this system today during this crisis in order to get their essential travel done. Um, you know, there are frontline workers in, in the hospital employees union. There are frontline workers in the grocery store. There are, there are supply chain people in the groceries working in the warehouses. I like to think the the... I mean, we're all ordering our diapers from Amazon right now. And the person who was putting your Amazon diaper order on the truck likely took transit to get to work. These are essential workers right now. We go on Friday night at seven o'clock, we bang our pots and pans together, thanking essential workers for coming out and working during this time. Yet we are taking away the way they get, many of them get to work. And, that, and we, we need funding to support that. We need to support them so they can continue to do their work. So... Traditionally, it's been the BC government, but you're also asking the federal government for money. Where do you see the mud in the wheels? Like what's slowing things down? There's been a lot of money flowing. Who's the, you know, who's the, who's the problem? Well, I mean, I, I did watch the uh, uh, Mayor Hurley and Mayor Cote uh, presented to the, um, presented to the uh, Commons Finance Committee last week, basically reiterating what some of the local government uh, requests are from the federal government. Um, and yeah, listening to that conversation, I have to say that um, the the one party, I, I'm not going to get partisan here. I have to say one party has, says that essentially cities are, are rolling in money and they should use their own money because they're all really wealthy and have received significant revenues over the last 20 years. Another party sort of said, this is the province's problem and you should really be asking your province for support. So I think that we need to, uh, we need to, uh, let the federal government know that, yeah, we, we will work with the province in order to get this funding, but essentially this is a national problem, a nationwide problem, and like other uh, jurisdictions, we need the federal government to step in an emergency time because they're the ones who have the money right now. Uh, yeah, local governments obviously are cash-strapped right now, and we're all we can talk at length about that, and you probably have. Um, the provincial government is uh, is willing to partner, but they do need federal support to bring up the cash in order to, in order to make the operation in order to make the short term uh, uh, funding happen. Well, all that's been officially announced that I know of from the province right now has been freeing up uh, capital and loans for the cities to work with, not actually any new money, but really saying, well, you can borrow against some of the assets you already have, which just feels like forcing cities to dig themselves deeper into a long term. It's basically shifting the issue from the next month or two to the next couple years, decade. And yeah, there, I, there are two problems in cities right now. Um, 
I mean, th there is going to be a lot, again, it's, it's a bit of a long-term or medium-term versus a short-term issue. I think there is going to be a medium-term finance issue, a medium-term, and my city right now, like on Monday at council, we're going to be talking a little bit more about some of the financial modeling we've done for how we're going to manage the next six months and how we're going to manage the next year. I think there is a longer term uh, issue around the amount of money we're going to receive and, and, and the services and how we're going to continue to provide services. But short term, there's a real cash crunch problem. And that just comes up, comes with there being, you know, June being tax time and that the cities get most of their revenue through, through, um, or a majority, yeah, a large amount of their revenue through property taxes that comes in June. And if we start deferring those taxes or, or giving relief to those taxes, it's going to create a cash crunch problem. So um, I think that the short term solutions around providing cities the ability to take a little more credit to get past that cash crunch is a good idea. I think that, uh, but I don't think it solves the longer term or medium term problem, which is just lack of revenue. And, and honestly, I don't think we know yet what the solutions to that medium problem, medium term problem is. I think that's something we're going to have to deal with uh, after we get through tax time in May. Well, coming back to TransLink, uh, is it partially a matter of the structure of TransLink? Like there's a certain element where TransLink's been separated from uh, government so far that it is essentially an independent business that needs financing. Whereas if its bottom line was on the government's books, it could just basically run a deficit and not be in as much trouble. Um, sure. I mean, TransLink could in theory borrow, I mean, yeah, if they were given the power to borrow for operations, that's something that local governments generally don't have the power to do. Um, that would help again get past this short-term issue, but it's still simply a cash crunch. It's still there, and, and I don't know whether kicking that down the road is really going to solve the problem. Um, the structure of uh, the structure of how we finance uh, again, I've said this earlier. The structure of how we finance TransLink's operations is slightly unusual around North America, and it's it has not set us up to be a robust system for this type of this type of crisis. Um, and I, we could talk at length about, uh, about different ways we could finance it. <laughs> um, but I don't think, again, I think put that in the medium problem, medium term, put that in the long term. And I'm happy to have those conversations. There's two organizations working locally, uh, sort of grassroots organizations, which are working to sort of raise, uh, raise this issue, raise the issue about TransLink's problems. Um, Abundant Transit and, and uh, savetransit.ca. And both have identified, yeah, we've got a short-term cash crunch problem. We need to keep the system operating so that we can make sure that people who need the system right now have access to the system and have a reliable system to get their daily, get their daily travel done. But they all recognize there is a longer-term conversation we have to have about what the funding model is for TransLink and how it hasn't been able to build the resiliency into its funding model that would allow us to weather this crisis without asking for help. So is that the best thing listeners can do in the short term is go to savetransit.ca, go to abundanttransit.org, uh, sign their petitions, write their letters, contact yep. their MPs? Exactly. Contact your MP, contact your MLA to make sure that they're aware that you, you value transit in the city. Um, I think your local government probably already knows, but never hurts to reinforce to your local government, let them know that you know their residents are concerned about transit service. Um, 
And unfortunately, I mean, I, here I am in New Westminster. We are the one of the best served communities by transit in the Lower Mainland. We have one of the we have actually, according to the 2017 trip diary, the highest usage of transit of any community in the Lower Mainland. Um, we've only lost one line in this these early uh, cutbacks. It was the 105 shuttle. It was unfortunately a really important line for a bunch of seniors who use it to get to their daily shopping and their medical appointments. So it's sad to lose it. They're the people who are least likely to be able to walk that extra, you know, that extra five blocks to get to the alternative station. It's, it's unfortunate to lose it, but it's not us. It's, it's South Surrey, it's Maple Ridge. It's, it's the communities that are sort of on the periphery of the transit system where people still need to rely on it. And they're really losing services right now in the early cutbacks. So um, it's across the lower mainland. Everyone needs to talk to the local government, needs to talk to their MPs and yeah, abandoned transit uh, .org and savetransit.ca both have petitions. They have online letter writing forms you can use and they will be able to help you connect with your member of parliament, your MLA to let them know uh, that you care about transit. Yeah, we'll put those links in the show notes for this along with the Mayor's Council slide deck that really highlights just how brutal the hit TransLink's taken has been. Uh, Patrick Johnstone, is there anything else we didn't get to touch on? Uh, oh man, we could talk for, oh no, no, <laughs> we could talk forever about the impacts on the cities of this, but it's, I think it's a, we're learning. I think we're all learning. I think that across the lower mainland, local governments have never been through anything like this. We are learning as we go along. And um, I think be patient. Um, I, I, we're going to get through this. Uh, help your local community, everybody. Reach out to everybody. I know you can't reach out physically, but reach out virtually to people. Uh, people are suffering across the Lower Mainland right now. And uh, I just want you to think about people in your community and how you can help them. And thank your bus driver if you do have to take the bus. Absolutely. And when you're banging your pots and pans together at seven, think about your bus drivers as well. Thanks. All right. You have a good weekend. You too, Ian. Thanks.